This is the Final Whistle podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team. And we're live! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. This is Dragonheart. Today, I am joined by Bill Long, myself, Che Long, and Disney's Mark Griffiths. Two exhilarating games we're going to cover today in Borehamwood and Halifax. We've got some other Wrexham stuff to talk about, too. But first... How are you both? Fighting a microphone, apparently. I fought the mic and the <laughs> mic won. Uh, well, that's what Frank Bruno said after Tyson had it. Um, well, to be honest with you, I'm great because today I'm excited to announce I'm going to attempt to set a world record during the broadcast. So I am going to become the first person ever, and I don't know if anyone's done it before, but I don't care because it's post-truth now. I'm just confident. I'm going to be the first person ever to carve a pumpkin live on a radio show because let's be honest radio is a visual medium <laughs> and, and and to carve a pumpkin not just carve one but carve one in the to, to, to capture the face of the member of the national league board who wouldn't let us stream and give all the money to the rest of the national league <laughs> so i have my pumpkin if you are if you're watching the video it's not live but nonetheless it will come out pumpkin and I will create as the show goes on. I might listen to the conversation, I might not, but I will definitely, <laughs> I will carve a National League board member's effigy as we go. This man's not only wants to be Disney's Mark Griffiths, he wants to be the Guinness Book of World Records yeah. Mark Griffiths as well, so... And I'm hoping also to do that whole, you know, peanuts, you know, Charlie Brown thing <laughs> with the you know, pumpkins, maybe I could, <laughs> I could get to do that. It, it, and it is Halloween weekend... What are you yeah. dressing up as, guys? <laughs> um, the scariest thing of all, Alex Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go yesterday's referee. Well, yesterday's referee he, was equally yeah. scary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. I'm going to go as um, Richard Hope. It's what, <laughs> it's what Satan would have wanted. Wow. Well, <laughs> on that note, let's get on with the show. This is Dragonheart. <laughs> this happens every time. Here we go. I'm Rick John, and this is Dragonheart. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't turn the mics down. There. Without Aaron, we're having a, a, a we're, nightmare. Yeah, we're having, <laughs> we, 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 we're lacking our producers today. But, right, Borum Wood. I always keep on wanting to say Bromley. Borum yeah. Wood. Bill, that was a fun game, wasn't it, in many ways? And also infuriating and also promising and it had everything in it. It was a really top-of-the-table clash. Yeah, um, I, I think that first half was, was a difficult one for us and, and the second half wasn't so difficult, which seems to be a recurring theme for us, really, doesn't it? I think there's two matches in a row where we've not been helped by the referee, but I suppose yeah. we, will, we will get on to that. Yeah. Um, we were we were kind of unlucky, really, weren't we? Yeah. I think. Mm. Overall, I think the, the, my my overriding feeling is that we were a little bit unlucky. Well, there's a narrative, Mark, of oh, this season of Wrexham's away performances not matching the home performances. Would you say that was right for this game? I don't think so. I thought that was a really good 
performance? I, I, I would say it's probably a fair comment overall. Yeah. Um, the reasons for it that we might consider, as, uh, for those of you who are listening, rather than watching the video, I have now removed to the top of the skull and my brain surgery can begin. Um, oh, honks, fair play. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, yeah, the fact of the matter is that this was a very good performance, I think. Mm. We started really well. I, I strongly feel when you get these games... Look, oh, sorry, I'll put it in the right order. Bromley established themselves as a Route 1 long ball team in our division. It came up, what, seven years ago. And as time's gone on, they've gone from aiming to survive to aiming to go up. And their style of football has definitely morphed into something different where they can still go along, they're still big and physical, but they can mix her up. Well, I don't know, because I've had the chance to see them this season, apart from that game, whether... This was just the way this game went or not. But they were long ball. They were back to the old boring words. It was long ball. And then, of course, when you get a game like that, it's all about they're going to try and batter you and play the game the way they want. We have got to try and impose ourselves. They'll be breaking the game up, as Phil Parkin said all the time, little fouls, things like that. Lots of restarts. We can't get our rhythm going. And I thought in the first half we did pretty well doing that until the goal yeah. and then actually we didn't react to that goal but the rest of the half was our rough periods I thought the second half we were outstanding we did impose ourselves on them and they were incredibly fortunate to get a point out of the game I really thought we were superb second half really impressed and, and that's why getting the point away from home against Boreham Wood Bill you know I don't know whether you guys agree, but I think a long ball team at this level with the quality they have can mm. be more dangerous than football the teams that play um, nice football and pretty football because all they need is that one opportunity, <laughs> lump it over the top to the striker, and then they have a goal. Sorry, um, I'm not laughing so at you, just the, the sound of pumpkin seeds hitting yes. the, the bottom of the. <laughs> I am thrilled by how disruptive I am. I'm like a naughty child <laughs> in the back of the class. But, Bill, I think we're going to be looking back at the end of the season of this being a really positive mm. point. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're they're going to do well this season. Uh, they've just got that makeup in them and I think they were undone last year by a cup run. I don't necessarily subscribe to the whole cup runs kill seasons off, but I think for theirs, they had such a, such a run that they... Well, I, th I think we killed them off last season. We did, yeah. <laughs> we, but, we, but we played them after they played out their skins at Everton. But lost. Yeah. Then came to us, and that was a mad game. Was it was four two mm. in the end. The atmosphere was. A yeah, the first one was, was that. Yeah. yeah. And then the second one was three 0 was that? Yeah. 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 So to 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 do that to them in two games in quite quick succession after a cup run, where you know they, they did really well to beat Everton, but they're professional sportsmen. They they would have sensed an opportunity to win against a Premier League team there, so they would have been a little bit deflated after that, and then mm. their their season was a little bit curtailed. But that might not happen this year and I think they'll be right up there um, good side good manager good players who, they've got a good scouting network because they lose players quite regularly you know like Jacob Mendy who's come to us but they're still able to to replace those players with, with uh, decent talent and yeah I think when you compare that to the Chesterfield and Notts County result they might not be quite up there with us three or, or, or whoever the sort of makeup is but that's most of our hard away games done yeah. There's not many left. Yeah. yeah. Bromley, Solly Hull. And apart from that, what is there to fear? I'm not disrespecting those other teams, mm. but beyond th that five, who else is actually going to be a, a, an away game that we go to and think, ooh, this is, this is I'll be happy with the point? I, I think, not I, I don't think, really. I, I think that's fair, a fair point to make. And I think also, you know, to add to that, just because you don't fear teams doesn't mean you can't 
get unstuck against them. Oh, yeah. It's just that yeah. that yeah. level of, of thinking, right, well, mm. we're, we're all right going to this place, we we'll get a, a lot, point here. a lot of uh, waypoints last season, like Torquay and things mm. like that. We lost to sides who weren't as good as us. Yeah, so. absolutely. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not assuming we'll get the results, but I'm saying that, you know, Boreham Woods, that's a good point. Yeah. If we get one point away to some of the other teams we'll be coming to later in the season, it, it won't be a good point. It'll be a point dropped, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. So let's let's talk about individual performances, Mark. Mm. The one I think everyone was talking about was Paul Mullin. Really, oh. he was he was everywhere that game. Was he really showing his class? Second half, he was just yeah. superb. He did well first half. Yeah, um, he had a, a major handicap to overcome, which was the referee. We've been lucky enough to have the two, I think, by a distance worst refereeing yeah. performances of the season yeah. in four days, and and I'm I'm not saying that lightly. A lot of listeners to the commentaries feel I'm harsh on the referees. I really don't. I don't want to be, and I think they've been good this season. On the whole, the refereeing's been probably as good as we've yeah. seen since we dropped down to the national league. I remember feeling there was a big drop off in the quality of officiating when yeah. we dropped down. I think they've been good this season, but the guy on Saturday was poor, and the one yesterday, as we'll get to, was worse. Um, Mullen and Palmer do go down a bit too easily sometimes. Absolutely, under pressure. They do look to win free kicks. Naturally, a referee is going to maybe make an opinion on that. But Saturday's refs seem to genuinely prejudge that, oh, every time they go down, it will be a dive. And, I mean, there were some blatant fouls. Mullen might well have scored in the first half. Mm -hmm. Lovely first touch. He's on the edge of the area. He's about to hit it. and And the defender just grabs his shirt and pulls him over. It's a foul, and the ref doesn't give it. And it almost felt he prejudged it. It was like, if it's a foul, I won't give it. If it's a yellow card, I'll just give the foul. Because <laughs> then Palmer turned Will Evans, who is a big, solid centre-back, but he's, and we've exploited this in the past when he played for Chesterfield, incredibly slow. Mm. And Palmer did him. Will Evans knew he would never catch Palmer again. And so he just rugby tackled him, and the ref didn't buck him. And he's sort of like, come on. But Mullin was... The second half really ran the show. His movement was terrific. They couldn't deal with it. He had lovely assist for the goal. It turned it, uh, Lasanmi is a good centre back inside out. Lovely ball across to the Red Baron. Uh, oh, it was just absolutely tremendous. Uh, he he was man of the match far and away. Even though there were a lot of good performances. Oh, by the way, pumpkin update. I'm on the second eyebrow. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite pleased with the progress I've made. But another individual <laughs> performance in Mullen was amazing. I think one that. I think he always seems to go under the radar, Bill. It's James Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he had an excellent game on Saturday, and he's the type of player that doesn't really get noticed, but when he's not there, I really do think we miss James Jones. Yeah, and I think the same could be said about Luke Young. They both do quite similarish jobs in some way. They're both high energy. They're maybe not got the... The, the complete quality on the ball that say Elliot Lee or, or Jordan Davis have but they're st- they still provide a lot to the team and you need players in this league who, who are willing to do that donkey work I mean Joe Clark uh, yeah. was, a, was a player that, that was I mean he had the Joe Clark project named after him but generally was was fairly unfancied by a lot of fans but we probably wouldn't have done as well in the 98 point season and the year that, that we got to the playoff final if it wasn't yeah. for Joe Clark ha- well, helping out in midfield doing that sort of yeah. role probably explain the Joe Clark project because it was I, I enjoyed that go on Mark you do it I'd rather on YouTube this, but I'm too busy poking someone's eye. <laughs> Go on. Um, well, no, it was just a fan group, wasn't yeah, it? Really, yeah. and they they, they produced podcast, um, blogs, like and things a, like that. It was yeah, good. JCB 
logo was yeah, that was clever yeah, wasn't yeah, it yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I think it was precisely because he seemed like such a nice guy but was also an underrated player if I remember rightly do, do you think right and I, I don't know this sort of facts do you think it started out as a sort of ironic he's you know we've got all these great players and he's not so great so we'll pick him but then as time went on probably we all saw more clearly his value do you know what I mean? It was a slightly yeah. ironic and then became not ironic because he proved his worth. In some ways, yeah, but he did like um, a meet and greet, didn't he, with the fans? Yeah. Uh, do you remember the sense we went, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. come yeah, across yeah. as like a yeah. really nice guy and I it, think everyone had like really liked yeah. Joe Clark. When, yeah. like, when, the, when the trust owned the club every month or two months or whatever it was, when there was a members meeting, they used to have a player there for a Q&A, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Every, every, I mean, you couldn't do it now because the place would be absolutely <laughs> swarmed, <laughs> wouldn't yeah. it? But previously, it just used to be whoever was members of the, the Wrexham Supporters Trust could go. Um, yeah, and he, was, he was, seemed like a, a cracking bloke who took a few slightly awkward questions and was really nice about how, how to deal with it, wasn't he? You know, and that, and that, that goes a long way in, in football because a lot of people are very dismissive of, of fans and, and you know, maybe fans that aren't as uh, approachable as others. When you talk about, when you hear all the other, all his teammates talk about Joe Clark, they usually say he's the most underrated out of mm. everyone in the squad, yeah. which I said. Yeah, yeah, which says, says a lot about him, doesn't it? a lot about him and, you know, he seems like a really top guy. Anyway, enough about Joe Clark. Back to James Jones. Back to James Jones. It is a similar sort of thing, and there is that sort of trend with football teams over the years. A, a, a lot of a lot of fans didn't like Emil Heskey as a footballer, mm. but a lot of the people mm. who used to play with Emil Heskey yeah. would say he was, a, he was a dream to play with because he just did all of the, the dirty work for the rest of the team and allowed the, 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 the other main striker to play. Um, and I know like James Jones is a different sort of player, so, but it's a similar thing, isn't so it? So, Mark, for the layman then, someone who maybe is just getting into following Wrexham or football in general, really, what what role does James Jones do? He has three lungs. That's his, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's his main strength. I, I mean, the, I would say he, he is maybe not that great on the ball. His passing, you know, it, when he tries to be ambitious, he doesn't always... Oh, he did play a lovely ball out to Ford for that incident where he crossed it in, was blatantly fouled for a penalty on Tuesday, and then McFadden's header hit the bar. Um, uh, but he, he can pass, but his real strength is that he... I mean, his stamina is outrageous. He can just keep going, keep going, keep going for 90 minutes. And at the end of the game, you see him sprinting and chasing things down as if he's fresh as a daisy. Mm. Um, he also, he's very good in terms of pressing and putting pressure on the ball. So from that central midfield position, he can step up and support the strikers and put pressure on and win the ball back. He's, he's good without the ball. He makes tackles, wins the ball well. But there's also those little things that, that maybe people don't see quite as much or, or don't focus on quite as much. Things like, you watch, when we lose the ball, he's makes really good recovery runs to block off passes. So he'll he'll make runs across. He spots where the danger is going to develop and he reads things and gets across so that he's in that right area to try and block. Even if it's just blocking so a player can't see the pass because Jones is in the middle making that pass difficult. And also, if, if you look at him with Ford, they combine nicely. But so to be fair, Jones was doing this last season as well. <clears throat> he's really good at making those overlapping runs which take defenders away. There was a, which came with... Oh, remember when... Was it a 6 0? It was. Um, Ford hit the post in the first half, he cut in size. And again, one of those things where you, how do you measure this? He didn't touch the ball, but he influenced that enormously because he made a terrific run 
around the outside of Ford and that took a defender with him and that meant Ford instead of having two defenders to beat had one defender to beat and instead of trying to find Jones around the back he's able to come inside get past that defender and hit a shot which hits the post you know that, that sort of uh, t- tireless running off the ball I, I, I struggle to think of a player who to me stands out so much I've seen for Wrexham in terms of just never stopping running but he does remind me of somebody from when I was a little kid for a different reason which the workhorse in that great late 70s team was Mel Sutton who we bought from Cardiff and he became our manager for one season he was Arvin Griffiths' assistant and he was a re- again a real workhorse and he used to get criticism from the fans they'd moan about him and all as you're saying about Joe Clark the, the manager the players would all say this is ridiculous he's the most important player in the team because he covers the ground he does two people's work so quite similar in a way to James Jones maybe there are some attributes players have that a lot of people don't quite notice but if you don't have those your, your team cracks and collapses and it is is uh him not playing in the Barnet game was foul, yeah. wasn't it? I don't think we concede five if he starts the game, yeah. personally. And, you know, everyone's quick to say, oh, Elliot Lee, Elliot Lee, Elliot Lee, because he, what he does is so obvious, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. To, to the fan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Where when James Jones isn't playing, as you said, we can see five goals. Um, and that's that's saying a lot, isn't it? It really is. It is. He, you know, like you were saying about Mel Sutton, I think his running allows Young to to concentrate that little bit more on defending. And when he's not there, Young is doing James Jones's job mm. and his own job, and gets pulled in different directions. What, what did you What did you think of of Elliot Lee playing for, in the Boreham Wood game and the Halifax game? It was a little bit more the four three the three in midfield rather than the what we did that didn't work against Barnett where he's supporting the strikers and you got the double pivots, and it worked. I just think Lee is good. Obviously, he's great if you put him high up the pitch. He can play those midfield roles. So I think he's really well at Boreham Wood doing that. He, I suppose, the thing is the thing we lose compared to say Jordan Davis is that he, he, Lee is not just a, a sort of free spirit who doesn't do his work. Lee works. He will come back and he will track. But Davis is maybe just a bit better at that. You know, he's played at wing back. He knows the system. He knows how we press. He knows, you know, where players will be in the system better because he's been in it for more than a year. And so I don't think Lee's quite as effective as that, to be fair. That's never that's not the reason we bought him either. Um, mm-hmm. But I was very encouraged at Bournemouth Woods because in a difficult game that could bypass him, he did a good job in midfield. Um, ironically, using him in the same role on Tuesday night, actually, I didn't think he did that well. But that's just life. That's just every player is allowed to yeah, have a good game and a bad game. And I think Halifax were quite cute in that they, I think they recognised that maybe out wide we can pull teams around, and they really pressed hard in the first half. The amount of lack of space on the sides of the pitch, they're using the touchline as an extra man for the press was really good by them, I thought. And that's a big part of why we struggled. And in an odd way, the worst thing they could have done was score so early on. Thank God the, line, the referee gave ridiculous penalties to them because once they got tired and had to retreat and sit back a bit more, you started feeling, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do this now because you can't sit in that your box against a team with our firepower and you're not going to get away with that very often. No. But when they were pressing, I thought they looked very good without the ball. Well, should we jump on to the Halifax game mm-hmm. then? 
Yeah, may as well. Yeah, so after this, we'll ch- talk about the Halifax game. I'm Kerry Evans, and you're listening to Dragonheart Radio Show. Well, Halifax. Um, that was a peculiar game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the owner was there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mr. Rob McElhenney was there. And there was a huge um, effigy of our other owner. Yes, there was that blimp, wasn't there? That was <laughs> that was crazy, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And you got yourself some footage, didn't you, before the game? <laughs> it was brilliant before the game. Um, Rob Lainton was on the pitch. Uh, so was our physio, uh, head of physio. And they were trying to hit the blimp. Now, trying in the... Oh, mine's gone blank, his name, the physio, the, the guy from Southampton. Oh, yeah. He was trying and not getting very close. Lainton is... Has got, I mean, he is a remarkable clean striker of ball. And I, he only had three goes. The first one would have hit, but there were people at the bottom holding ropes and they pulled it. So it missed. And he wasn't that happy with them. <laughs> the second one, and remembering that it was above the height of the stands, the second one he hit from underneath it and put it over the blimp. That's, that's pretty decent work, I would argue. Yeah. And then the third one, he nailed. And I was, I, I just thought, oh, this is great. So I was filming it up in the stands. It was quite funny because when he hit it, there were, I, did, I didn't know who they were, but there were some photographers on the pitch. And he, he was shouting, did you get it? Did you get it? And they hadn't. <laughs> but this is before the ground had opened. So I shouted down, I did. And I went down and showed him, <laughs> he's got it now. And um, he, he, he was very chuffed that somebody had filmed it. He loved it. I showed him it and he was, he was a very, very happy man. <laughs> he mentioned it after the game as well, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, I didn't yeah, see. Yeah. yeah, he walked out the tunnel. Oh, yeah, he, he was there. He was yeah. like, have you got that video? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's been passed to him, I believe, now. Um, and I have put it onto the Rex Manorak article, which went out about an hour ago. Uh, because, you know, in that article, I like to look at the statistical facts. And <laughs> one of them is that a Wrexham player is never hit a blimp before a football match before I felt it was it <laughs> wow. needed to be pointed out it was almost as obscure as the other fact that every substitute that has scored for Wrexham against Halifax came through our our youth teams which is absolutely pointless fact that you can do nothing with and is completely coincidence and every Wrexham substitute he scored against Halifax at the race course was born in Wrexham or the outlying towns but that means nothing. You both look so blank because, yeah, exactly. There is nothing you can that, do with that information. It's complete coincidence. But, I want but to it digest. Is also, I want it's digest. digest. Yeah, it's kind mm-hmm. of crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that Don't bring any like Leon as a sub against Halifax because he won't be able to score because he's not local. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the game. Unchanged from Boreham Word. I think we need to talk about the back three. For a second, I think the mouth's out. Just so you know, only the nose to go. I'm doing so well here. <laughs> and at that moment, Stop. producer Aaron comes in and sees that I have destroyed the studio. In, it smells of pumpkin. It smells of pumpkin, but I, I I don't know why. I think it's one of these two. <laughs> oh wow! We are current. I am I am setting the world record. I'm the first person ever. Just to recap, dear listeners, to attempt to carve a pumpkin. In the, the capturing the face of the bloke at the National League who refused to let us stream games and give the rest of the league all the money. That, that's my aim, and I'm confident I'm going to do it because I've only got the nose to go now. And the nose is going to be any, any random shape. So I, I reckon I could do this in half a radio show, making it even more of a world record than it previously was. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you excited, everybody? 
Right. This, this is I, it. This is what the town of Wrexham can do when it puts its mind to it. Th- this not was not I what I was expecting coming this. into. No, this is dragon. I, I was really not expecting this. Yeah, well, you know, expect the unexpected. When 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 the when the Disney Corporation is involved, <laughs> dreams can come true. <laughs> right. We need to start talking about the football. The what ball? <laughs> the, the, the pumpkin ball. Pumpkin. No, the, 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 let's let's talk. I about think the you football. turn into a pumpkin if you leave a ball. If I remember correctly. Right, football, <laughs> Mark, football. Football, yes, um, Halifax. Right. Halifax had their game plan right at the start, <laughs> and we were poor for 20 minutes, and it was a major issue. But, um, like I say, we we have goal power, yeah. as, as um, the Spice Girls nearly used to say. And basically, seven, no, eight home games this season, five of them we've scored three goals in one of the halves. In one of them, we scored more than three goals in two halves. Yeah. That's goal power. And the fact of the matter is, once they got tired and had a lead to defend, and they had to sit back a bit, it was like a coconut shy, wasn't it? We were just, they were in the box, and we were just launching at them. And you sort of, that sense of anxiety, kind of, even when it was 1-0, you thought, oh, once we get one, we should be okay. Yeah. And even though the two last goals came late... You sort of felt, yeah, this is all right. This is okay. We score goals. That's what we do. I want to talk about Halifax in the first half, though, mm. because they're playing some beautiful passing football. Yeah, they're, 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 they're a very yeah. well-drilled team. I think. Again, uh, I, I know I said this. I, I sound like a parrot, but I think we're going to look at this at the end of the season, thinking that that's actually a really good three points at home because I think Halifax will grow into the season because I think they do have some good players. You know, their their target man dis. Yeah. Disarover. He's a decent player. Um yeah, I think I think they're really good, but yeah. Uh, I think it was a really T- good performance. Team Giants, actually. wasn't yeah. they? Mm-hmm. They were huge. Like their two centre backs were bigger than Ollie Palmer. He's not. He's mm-hmm. not a short man, is he? Your favourite centre back yeah. back name yeah. duo, wasn't it? I feel confident, even though you know, despite my boyish looks, I've watched Wrexham, uh, football for a long time. I feel confident that we've never had a pair of centre backs against us with such amazing names as Jesse Deborah and Festus Arthur. I just feel it sounds like a sort of um, country and western duet. Yeah, that's what I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but they, they did well. They they were winning everything, weren't they? Mm. In oh, the yeah. I, I thought their centre halves had a fantastic game. In all Especially set pieces. Although yeah. I would also say that. Um, when it came to set pieces, I mean, okay, the the elephant in the room uh, is the referee was very poor. He gave a soft penalty to them. I do not think it's a penalty. When you look at it from the angle where Deesa River's running towards the camera, you can see how far he goes away from the ball to step into Young's path. I, I really think it's naive. There is some contact. I don't think anywhere near a four penalty, but okay. If you're going to give that, you've got to then yeah. be giving decisions like that. And and I know I'm really biased, but I think if you say that's the standard now for a penalty, we we really, and I'm not joking, should have had four or five penalties because yeah. the amount of shirt pulling, of blocking off, the foul on Ford when he crossed for McFadgen, which is just, I mean, he just took him. I was a scissors tackle in the box and the ref, oh, carry on, he's put the cross in. No, it's a foul in the penalty area. We'll have a penalty, thank you very much. And then also... I mean, Hayden, that's, this is my favourite point of a game, which had a lot of wonderful bits to it. 
Hayden just couldn't get at the ball because he was constantly being blocked off and fouled. Now, don't get me wrong, you were constantly saying this in commentary, Jay, and I 100% agree with you. A team, don't blame the team, because if they can, if they can get away with it because the ref's not giving those fouls, they will keep doing it. And if I knew that the referee would be like that, I would say to a team, if you're facing Hayden, look, if, if you just try and defend them normally... You, we will let a goal into him, at least one, because he's phenomenally strong and has a ludicrously good leap. And if, if he gets a run on you, <laughs> there's just nothing you can do about it. Mm. So don't let him get there. Block him before when he starts his run. There was one in the second half where Arthur basically rugby tackled him off the ball and just grabbed him, just threw him to the floor. It was yeah, real yeah, ludicrous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you think, <laughs> well, surely Hayden has been saying to the ref all along, just watch what he's doing to me, ref. But he didn't, or if he did, he thought, well, that, that's allowed. Um, you know, we're not allowed to go near a player in the box, but that's allowed. But then, of course, the, that glorious thing I was alluding to was his last-minute goal, where, and well done, Neil, because I actually didn't spot her at the time, and I've only realised afterwards, Hayden stayed on the halfway line. Whether he was just thinking, I'll stay back because yeah. we don't want to get caught on the break, or whether this was a deliberate idea, I don't know, but... He stays in the halfway line. Arthur has to look around and think, Hayden's not here. Ooh, what shall I do? And then Hayden sprints from the halfway line, arrives in the box, leaps. And frankly, looking at the camera's angles, he, the ball seems to be higher than the crossbar. And yet phenomenally, because he's got such a ludicrous leap and he's been sprinting in for 40 yards, he gets above that ball and heads it downwards. It was a wonderful, wonderful goal. And so heroic that if you look at the highlights, he runs away to celebrate. And the first picture of the celebration is they cut to the crowd and there's a bloke waving his crutches in the air. <laughs> <laughs> because the goal was so good that he made the lame walk. Yeah. Now, that's miraculous, isn't it? It's... Bring some water to the next match and see if it becomes wine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the back three for a second. Um, because I think each one of them deserves to be praised. Yeah. For the last two performances, really, and I feel so sorry for saying this, but this is probably the best back three we could have. And I, I, I and I love Max Cluworth. Don't get me wrong; I'm his biggest fan. But I do think with Tunnicliffe playing, we do look a little bit more stable, just a little bit more stable in defence. Even though I don't think he offers that attacking, you know, that you know the attacking yeah. prowess that uh, Max Cluworth presents. But Bill Tunnicliffe. He looked solid, didn't he? He did. He, he looks quality, and I think it's it's a uh, a lot of people will call him for it. And I think to be fair to to Kluwer, he, he's probably due a rest. He's played a lot of foot, men's football, and he's still quite young in a physical position. It, it's not it's not like the old days being dropped isn't a, a damning indictment of your ability. It's actually more. Do you know what? You need some a little bit of time out of the team. Yeah. Go and refocus. Go and get some practice in, fight your way back into the squad and then there'll, there'll be an opportunity for him and Tunnicliffe's take, had the opposite happen to him and he's taken the opportunity with both hands, hasn't he? Looked fantastic yesterday. Yeah, really good. I'm really pleased. He, like you say, he doesn't, doesn't offer that attacking threat but what he does allow is for Hayden almost to not feel guilty to, <laughs> to attack mm -hmm. and Toza and Tunnicliffe then become the back two of a back four that was a back five while Hayden's pressing forward. I think if in future Kluwerf comes back into the side, I'd still be tempted to play Tony Cliff 
in our games against uh, more attacking opposition? Well, we well, I it's, this could be a controversial opinion. You may may disagree. I think we could play Clueworth in a in a midfield role eventually, especially as his um, skills develop. He's played holding midfield before. He played holding midfield a couple of times last season. Yeah, he had the fantastic game in the trophy. Uh, at, um, I think if we have a midfield crisis, I think Clueworth could do a job in midfield. Definitely could. Definitely could, but I don't care because I have now completed my pumpkin. The world record is achieved and I have completed my pumpkin in the shape of the National League bloke who said we could not uh, stream matches. So there you are, everybody. <laughs> There he is, looking bewildered with his one tooth. <laughs> there you are. He doesn't know what streaming is. He thinks it's something to do with going to the toilet. <laughs> Look at that, eh? Look at that. Coming soon to a, to a football club near you. Brigade. Fair play. I, I, am, a, I am a record breaker. I'm very proud of myself. We can now have better qual sound quality because there won't be sounds of me hacking. Um, <laughs> and then little noises as the, as the, as the ball squeaks on the desk. Uh, and me and, and I won't be like muttering and sw audibly sweating. <laughs> in time, you know. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, so Clueworth. I think Clueworth is superb. I think it's good to give him a little break. Yeah. Uh, he's still involved. He's still on the bench yesterday. You're right. He's, he's versatile. He can play the two roles. Um, and it's an interesting matter of balance for me that the back three with Tony Cliff, like you say, he is not going to go forwards as much. We do lose something, therefore, of our attacking fluency because Clueworth and um, McFadden, the way that they combine, is, is terrific they got a wonderful understanding yeah. I think that's really underrated their relationship actually as well oh, sorry I, yeah, yeah on, absolutely but, I think it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a real for me a high point of the way that we play the way that they get forwards they're both happy to go inside or outside and they both seem to read each other brilliantly and yet actually this works pretty well because McFadden well let I me mean, think of the Barnet game and McFadden and Clueworth got criticism because a lot of the trouble came down their side of the pitch. Yeah. Now, I'm not totally sure you should blame them because they are playing to the manager's instructions and the manager is looking to be very attacking. But we did get exploited. Um, if you put Tony Cliff in, McFadden still goes forwards and he played well on Tuesday, I thought. But he knows that there's a bloke sitting in behind who's not going to be up there with him mm. and they're going to get caught out so he can attack with a bit more freedom. And also because you've got that solidity... Elliot Lee on the left side of midfield is able to pick up the bat on and try and join in. Didn't work that well on Tuesday, no. you know, but that extra solidity at the back. I, I'm not saying Clueworth's not a solid defender. He's an excellent defender. But the fact that Clueworth naturally is, is asked to get up the pitch means that, you know, sometimes we're in demand at the back. Not his fault. But with Tunnicliffe not doing that, you have that solidity there, which allows Lee and McFadden to try and combine down the flank. So it's all about balance, and I think that, that balance worked well. Like I said, I think Halifax's closing down wasn't a problem for Lee, but in other games they won't close him down well, and he'll destroy teams. And we've got scope to change it round, you know. We've got, mm. oh, we've got an intent from the fixtures, haven't we, for the next mm. few weeks, haven't we? We've got, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, against tough sides... Maybe one day Tone Clef's getting a bit laggy, you put them clue with in. Yeah. You maybe take Hayden, maybe rest him in the in for the cup. I don't know. You know, we've got that versatility centre half wise, Bill, that we didn't really have last season, did we? No, and it's it's handy to have that because I think 
you know, Tunnicliffe can play across the back three, can he? He is he is a, a a right-sided player, but has played on the left for Crawley and and you know has done well so far for us there. But he he's he's that sort of pace that he could clearly play in the middle as well, and then Hayden could probably play in the middle if we yeah. needed oh, to. Yeah. Yeah. I I just if it is embarrassment, Richard. We've got uh, Harry Lennon. He's not even featuring mm. in this conversation, you know. He's a fan. He's an absolutely he fantastic was, footballer. He was one who is a player to start last season. Who is a naturally yeah. left-sided player that can come in. Ryan Austin, can, you know, if he's got anything like Max Kluwer, if he can come in and, and do a job as well. So there's a there's a lot of we, promise. We do in have that a lot three. of yeah, you know, a lot of backup options as well. You know, Tom O'Connor's played centre half, and, and and you know, we, when we talked about Tom O'Connor previously uh, for the first Blythe game. We were maybe slightly critical or maybe didn't quite understand what his role was, but he didn't make many mistakes, so if he needs to yeah. come in and play there, it's not a problem, is it? Yeah, and I, I could even see McFadden covering the centre-half role as well. So, you know, we've got, we've got so many... Embarrassment of riches. Yeah, in that, yeah. In that department. But let's talk about Hayden Tozer, Mark, because he's been brilliant. And Hayden, yeah. how many goals he scored this evening? I'm losing count. Uh, it's 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 seven, isn't it? Or is it eight? It I think it's eight. eight. Seven ridiculous. in the league, one in the cup. That's ridiculous. Yeah, isn't it? It's madness. He, I'd seen a stat on Twitter earlier. I, apologies, I can't credit who who put it. He's scored seven in fifteen, which is, I think, equal or one behind the twenty eighteen nineteen season, and not that far off the twenty twenty one season. And it's only October, and he's a centre back. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Remember them, was it three seasons ago? We had the second season in a row where our top scorer got five or six. Right, so it'll probably be that's probably the season that I'm thinking, yeah, of, yeah. thinking of. Yeah, Hayden's performances and with his age, though, terrify me that a big club's going to come into him at some point. But we have money, and so as long as we keep him happy, you know, we've got the potential to rise up the divisions. We have the money if he wants a contract extension and a bit of an improved terms, but maybe most importantly, we don't have to sell him. If yeah, somebody yeah, wants him, yeah. we can turn around and say, okay, we three, are in three that, quarters of a million. Yeah. You know? We are in that unique position. Yeah, we are in that unique yeah. position where if we, are, if we do sell him, it's going to be for a ridiculous amount of money, yeah. isn't it? But if I do look at someone like Hayden as pretty irreplaceable if we were if if you yeah were it is to go it, it is a difficult one it, it's that classic case I think of when it when you've got a good player if they go you can replace someone who is absolutely adequate and more than adequate for this division but just hasn't got that X factor that he's he's got he was skinning players yesterday wasn't he yeah he was using back heels he was looking like a a forward player at times he he's so no his physical attributes are so. A Premier League level, you know, he obviously keeps himself a tip-top um, condition. He's fast, he's strong, he can jump high. But on the ball as well, Mark, he's just a joy to watch at times, isn't he? He played quite a lot as a wing-back for Starbridge, yeah. Yeah. and you can sort of see that. Or you yeah. can see that it's all about power and explosion down the wing rather than trying to trick his way past anybody. But he, he does do that very well, doesn't he? Yeah. He's an exciting player to watch. I just want to um, argue back against you guys and say... Don't get me wrong, Hayden's great, and I don't want to lose him. But if we lose him, you know, teams lose good players. Doesn't necessarily have to suffer. Do you reckon that we couldn't get promoted to the back three of Tony Cliff, Tozer, and Clueth? No, we absolutely. Oh could yeah, get. yeah, 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 absolutely. Could. So in that case, he's not. He is. He is. He is replaceable. 
I don't want to replace him. I think he's utterly fantastic. I, I adore Aaron Hayden. I'm just saying, Matt, if we had to sell him, we'd have the money to bring in a really good player, and we already have good centre backs. So what? that's a great position. That we yeah, are in, I, I do think out of the back three, I think he's the most valuable. Personally. Oh, oh, with, without without a doubt, in terms of his current ability, I think Kluwer has got the potential, but he's not the most valuable at the moment because he needs to go another season or two living up to that potential. Yeah. Uh, Toes is just that little bit older that he's maybe, I don't want to say that it sounds harsh, but he's maybe more on the other side of when money starts being thrown around at players, especially in that position. But also, I, I, do you know what I thought? I, I thought Toza played really, yeah, really yeah. well yesterday. And I bought him with as well. I yeah. thought both he and Hayden were outstanding. And Tonikov, to be fair. Yeah. Like you said, the three of them in both games, outstanding. And that volley, if he meant it for the first goal. <laughs> was it deflection? I think, yeah. sadly, I really couldn't see it at the time. Because but it looking, looked like a world-class uh, strike okay, from okay. where I we were. I think yeah. the bloke who threw... It's not totally clear, and I've looked at all the different angles, but I think I've the bloke who at, jumped at it... I think got a little nick on it. It's a shame because if he if he didn't, that is a world class goal. I've looked outside at the fan curling cam. Yeah, yeah, gone. Yeah. I've looked at a fan cam and you can see the yeah. that does yeah. fair, fair enough. But I mean, it doesn't matter. It's gone in. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Uh, and the crazy thing about yesterday is, and Saturday as well, is the goal is the goals are coming from the centre halves, and that's really important yeah. in a strong side, isn't it? I remember Dennis Smith talking about that, saying that you know he expected his centre backs to all chip in five goals a season. Well, you'd love this team, wouldn't they? Yeah. <laughs> this team, you know, no yeah, problem yeah. with that, you know. Yeah. And to be fair, Cluith bangs some shots in from distance at troubled teams and has a habit of getting into really good positions set pieces and then not actually finishing them. But, but that'll come in time. Been, been a bit unlucky, isn't it? And I'm, I'm yeah. sure Tunnicliffe, once he's used to our setup and the system, has, has got the ability to score goals he's as well. He's a big lad, so. isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, talk about Dennis Smith. I heard him on the Fearless and Devotion podcast talk about whatever that is. This, this, yeah, this no, no, no. side, and he, he says, he, you know, he said basically that he, they're letting in too many silly goals. That's mm, what he was yeah. saying. He said yeah. he, he wouldn't have stood for it. I think that's a pretty fair yeah. comment, but isn't he, it? Yeah. Well, that's Dennis Smith, isn't he? He's, he's a god. He can say what he wants, can't he? <laughs> he certainly can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he, Dennis he Smith, up, yeah. he says what he wants. <laughs> I did. I also listened, after listening to that podcast, I didn't realise how good of a player he was as well. Yeah, yeah. He was famous for getting broken bones. Yeah. And I always remember when I was a little kid, there's a there's a picture of him in Shoot. And Shoot was a magazine, everybody. I uh, had a photo of him on a full page. And then... I had all his broken bones annotated, <laughs> arrows pointing, and, wow. and you know he had about thirty broken. It, it wasn't that he was injury prone per se; it was that he would throw his body in the way of anything, and if it meant getting kicked in the leg and kicked in the arm, kicked in the face, kicked in the anything, he'd just do it. He was a real sort of tough guy, centre back. Yeah, for that for that generation as well to be. A but yeah, yeah, exactly. He's been identified as that when you're up against Ron Chopper Harris and Tommy <laughs> Tommy the Anfield Iron Smith, where, where, where yeah. a two footed tackle is fine. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah, expected it's just, if anything. Yeah. It's, it's striking. I bet it's on YouTube. Have a look. There's a very famous game from the late eighties when Liverpool draw four all at Everton. And Dalglish resigns after as manager after the game. It's a fabulous game of football. Probably shouldn't have told you to score. That spoiled everything. I lost a quid in a sweet stake on it um, because I was 15 seconds off the time of the first goal we each had a minute and put a quid in and in the bar and the my minute uh, and I, Mike it was Mike Newell 
Mike Newell, ex-Wrexham assistant manager, briefly, was being treated for the entire minute. So the ball wasn't in play for my minute. I was not happy. And then Everton took the free kick 15 seconds into the <laughs> next minute from uh, <laughs> Newell was fouled for and scored. And I was uh, like, what, what, what? Um, but anyway, the, if you look at that game, the tackling in it. Yeah. And the referee's just... Well, nobody's asking for a foul. And I don't mean that, oh, everybody was a saint then. But in those days, gee, in Britain, certainly, jeesh, you, you could you could kick a guy. <laughs> you know, it was like Anthony Taylor was refereeing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's the evolution of football. I'm, is, I'm, yeah. I'm sure in, in future episodes we'll talk about that more really because yeah. it's, it's it's really interesting how football's changing you, you can't fly into people like you can now because the players are so much faster stronger and fitter it's 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 a completely different the, game the turning point i said uh, putting his dull hat on was marco van basten the brilliant dutch center forward who was getting hit so many times from behind that he retired when he was 28 because his his achilles was just absolutely wrecked and also he had experimental surgery on one of them which did not go well. And so he retired in his 20s. I mean, Marco Van Basten was the ultimate centre-forward. He was mm. mobile. He, was, he could do everything. He was a wonderful player. But he didn't get the full value out of him. Maybe his best years of his career he didn't mm. get. And that was why they, in the 94 World Cup, said any tackle from behind was a red card. And, of course, people didn't like it. But why shouldn't you protect skillful players? Surely that's that's let skillful players be skillful, isn't that your first priority in football? The money yeah. in football as well now, which mm. is it, you know, it's, it's well, they're assets. Players are assets, assets aren't they? Yeah. Now, yeah. you know, it, they they're as much a, a figure on a spreadsheet as they are a, a star on the pitch, aren't they? In a lot of mm. ways, you know, they've exactly. got to be they've got to be able to provide numbers as much as anything. And if they're injured and they can't play, then then those numbers, be it in terms of interaction or actual shirt sales or whatever, just go down, don't they? And, you, you know, I, there there are some aspects of I don't I don't disagree with protect star players at all, but there's elements of the game that have gone too lenient in in some aspects because of that. I feel maybe not at our <laughs> level with our referees, but <laughs> well, that that's another discussion. Yeah, another discussion it? for but, another day. Yeah, back to the game. We talked about the back three. We'll talk about other performances and maybe not so much a positive performance. Was Elliot Lee really, Mark? He first half, he struggled a little bit, didn't he? I think he did. But the fact that he lasted the 88th minute showed that although he wasn't able to have that influence in terms of his passing, because like I've said before, Halifax put a lot of pressure on, surrounded him, and he just couldn't hit his targets, and that's unlike him. Um, he, he did do a good shift, and he did work hard in that midfield role which in some ways is what people have misgivings about with him. Well, so fair play to him because he, you know, he earned his right to stay on the pitch because he was putting in the hard yards. So although, yeah, things didn't work out for him, in some ways it was still a progression that he could fit into that system. So you'd say that it was more Halifax doing a number on him rather than him having a bad game? I mean, you, you know, it's hard to tell where the line yeah, is, but I would yeah. certainly say whenever he was getting the ball in the first half, Halifax were closing in on him massively, weren't they? Yeah. He didn't have his best game, absolutely not. Oh, but, yeah. but again, you know, opposing tactics will influence that, and I think they were deliberately looking to close him down. Yeah, and it, it just goes to show the quality on our bench that we can bring Jordan yes. Davis on yeah. to completely change the game. Mm -hmm. 
Well, uh, uh, you know, and look fantastic, and, and and the argument, and I, you know, I said it before on Dragon Art, it's like, oh, Leo Davis, Davis isn't playing well, swap him, or now Davis has had a, a good start, and Lee didn't play quite as well, let's swap again, but mm. I, I don't care who starts as long as we win, yes. and when you've got either of those who are able to mm. come off the bench to replace yeah. each other, you win games. Yeah. Well, let, let's <laughs> let's talk about a controversial topic in some regards, it's the formation. Um, we went to a back four, and Mark, we won the game. What What's your analysis of the back four versus back three debate? Um, firstly, that people should calm down a little bit and appreciate that you know probably football managers would look at formations more as just a rough idea to hang something on and, and wouldn't feel tied to it so when you hear people saying oh we're defensive because we play five at the back well we, we don't play five at the back it, there's three centre backs and two wingers really and so you know we shouldn't get too hung up with that I mean <laughs> there were points in the game where Tozer and Hayden were trying to get forwards even though they were playing in a back four and the, the full backs were still right out of the bench so I wouldn't get too hung up about shapes in that sense and numbers in different areas of the pitch. I wouldn't switch permanently to the formation that we, we switch to when we make the substitutions for a number of reasons. One of which is that it's a very attacking formation and to start a game like that, you better have get on top of the opponents because you will allow opportunities for t players to, teams to get at you because that front three is a front three. Lee is playing up to the strikers. And the other thing is that, well, that, that old adage, isn't it? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We we keep battering teams when we start with three at the back. You know, that 6-0 was quite fun, I thought. We played it with three at the back. Don't ignore the fact that we're yeah. getting some fantastic results and brilliant performances playing the system that... Parkinson likes both this season and last season. All that wonderful run that we had last season, three at the back. I don't get the obsession about it personally because yeah, we're winning all I the agree. time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and let's be fair, we do change it, but yeah. you've got to change. You've got to be fluid mm. in football from time to time, haven't you, Bill? You've got to change. Yeah, absolutely. Your tactics, and I think that's more of a credit to Parkinson. Yeah. really. Not a credit. It's not a credit. It's not nothing. It's not a bash on the formation for me. It's a credit to see Phil Parkinson seeing that there's an issue. Yeah. Then change it up. And he does it quite early as well. Yeah. Sorry, just no. Yeah, yeah no. You hundred percent. Yeah. I think it, it's it's uh, a manager that's got money at Wrexham is always going to be uh, criticised, and, and to some degree, yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I heard like you know people talking in in the stands on the way out, like oh, Phil Parkinson needs to sort it out. Well, he did sort it out. Yeah, and we won three yeah. one. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, yeah. just because he started with a formation and then changed it doesn't mean that his performance is then bad. His performance is good because we had problems and then he mixed it up mm. I mean I don't know really what people <laughs> expect to yeah. happen the manager can change things around the 60th 70th minute and get free goals out of the team surely that's that you're not quite saying tactical genius but you're thinking yeah fair play mm. you've you've seen what the problems were you've changed it you've changed it effectively and we've won yeah <laughs> he he has two go-to formations that the players clearly know well and that's an important thing as well if it's not bedded and you can't just it's not football manager 
Well, to be fair, football manager's not gone that way now. It's gone away it's from it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't just say, oh, I'll just put this like, oh, I'll just put forum up there. Just, you know, you can't just do that. It doesn't work. And, and if players aren't familiar with it, they get confused. So you, firstly, you can't do that. And secondly, he's got these two shapes. They work and they're well grooved. And quite frankly, they, uh, they are varied and he knows he can hit the button to reset if he needs to change things, create space in different areas and cause threat from different areas. Great. He's got two things at work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that just shows the, the versatility that we have. And I, I don't think... I, I, I do think fans need to calm down because I think sometimes they're, oh, well, look, when we play four at the back, we win. I, but, but that only works because we've rope-a-doped them for the entire then, game yeah. with five at the back and allow allow them to get tired by attacking us. But and then the pressure that we bring with, with It didn't work against Notts County. It didn't, no. And it didn't work at time glasses when we yeah. played Marine and things yeah. like that. It didn't look very good at all. So, yeah, I, 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 don't get me wrong, I'm not against experimenting mm. against other sides, but... I, I don't think I don't see anything broken. We're, we're you yeah. know we're, we're second in the table. We're three points behind the leaders in October. Yeah, points mm. behind the leaders. All the good teams have got to come to us. Yeah. So good luck to them. Not to <laughs> yeah, County. Yeah. Are they going to keep it? They're looking good at the moment. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, it's on to Altrincham on Saturday uh, at home. Tough match, isn't it, Mark? They they seem to hit a bit of form recently, haven't they? Yeah, so we'll have to put them back in their place, won't we, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but your station, you don't check every goodness sake. <laughs> this is very much a show for this community. No, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're, they're, they're decent. They got they got some nice players, but and it's their first season as professionals as well, which is interesting to see how they bed down in that. But ultimately, we should be looking to win it. Yeah. We should be looking to win every game this season, shouldn't we? Even against the top teams, yeah. we're always maybe sort of considered as a little bit happy clapperish, but for international fans, that's the people who just really love the football, regardless of whether it's good or bad. But um, you know, with the budget we've got, we should be beating every team, hundred percent, hundred percent. And this is pretty much the end of the pod, uh, the podcast, radio show. Please, anyone who any sort of suggestions of topics you'd like us to talk about. Please um, DM me, Mark, or Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Forgetting this brother's name. Or, 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 or Bill, Or the National pumpkin. League board <laughs> member who I've decided is called Orville. Hit, hit, us, hit us up on Twitter, you know. If you if you look at all the cracking things that our amazing media team are producing on the website and what have you, but suggestions, please, Reddit, mm. all that. Get in touch with us if you want to hear things. We loved doing the rivalry section, didn't we? Yeah, we, yeah, enjoyed, that. we yeah. enjoyed the rivalry section. So yeah, anything. I one thing, one thing I think we're going to be talking about next week that I'd really love to talk about is the comparison of this side and the ninety-eight point season side. We'll get the fan suggestions on that. And over likes that. Yes, the, the pumpkin <laughs> likes that. So yeah, please get please get in touch with us. Whatever you want to do, but yeah. This has been Dragonheart. Evenings on Callan FM. This is the Final Whistle Podcast from the Wrexham AFC media team.